us pray. Loving Father in heaven, we thank you for making us to see this day. We thank you for protecting us through the night. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy which you have bestowed upon us. We thank you, Father, for forgiveness of sins, for provision of all that we need to make our life comfortable. As we go through your word this morning, we ask for the precious gift of your Holy Spirit. Please, Lord, speak to our hearts, O Lord, and give us courage to face the battles for the day. Help us, Lord, with strength and power from above and grace to reflect the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do this and take the glory in Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Our High Calling, November 1 Have you counted the cost? In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. John 16 verse 33 The world's Redeemer presents to his followers the plan of the battle in which they are called to engage and he bids them count the cost. He assures them that angels who excel in strength shall be in his army and will enable those who trust in him to fight valiantly. One shall chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight, not through their own strength but through the power of omnipotence. The captain of the Lord's host is with them taking the command of the armies and leading them on to victory. Because of their human frailty, because of their sinfulness, they may fear and tremble as they view the vast hosts of the powers of darkness, but they may rejoice as they look upon the angels of God ready to minister to those who shall be heirs of salvation. They may rejoice as they realize that the captain of the Lord's host will lead them forward in every conflict against natural and supernatural foes. Your leader is a conqueror. Advance to victory. How precious are these assurances that we shall never be left to take one step in our own finite strength. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Hebrews 13 verse 5 we are fighting in the presence of invisible hosts. Unseen intelligences survey the whole array of evil and help is at hand. We shall not only be provided with that which is necessary but shall be placed upon vantage ground. To every Christian comes the word that was addressed to Peter. Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Luke 22 verse 31 Thank God we are not left alone. This is our safety. Satan can never touch with eternal disaster one whom Christ has prepared for temptation by his previous intercession. For grace is provided in Christ for every soul and a way of escape has been made so that no one need fall under the power of the enemy. Amen.
have you counted the costs? And we have three Bible passages here. Of course, the one which is written, have you counted the cost, is a question Jesus asks to every Christian. In the book of Luke chapter 14, reading from verse 25, it says there, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned, as Jesus turned, and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yet and his own life also he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross, and come after me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether we have whether he has sufficient to finish it, lest haply after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first and consulted, whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him, that cometh against him with twenty thousand. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an an ambassage, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. So Jesus doesn't want us to follow him blindly. He wants us to count the costs and ask whether you are able. And what will you see when you count the cost? Are you able to meet the foes, natural and supernatural, invisible foes? Are you? Of course, if you count the cost, you are. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, if you are in Christ. You see, Jesus asked this question so that people Christians can realize what they are going for and also understand what they have with them. What do we have with us? Jesus says here, John 16, 33, In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Luke 22, 31, tells us Satan had desired to have every Christian that he may sift them as sweet. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. So when you are going to fight this battle, these are your weapons, these promises, and you count the cost and say, not by my own strength, but I have with me Jesus, therefore I am able. That is why we are told, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Count the cost. Have you counted it? Do you know how many angels are by your side? How powerful are they? Do you know who is with you? Jesus. Do you know what powers he has? How about your enemy? Do you know him? And do you know what his powers are? Have you counted his 20,000 and your 20,000 or 10,000 and ask yourself whether you are able to meet him? Of course, if you count the cost, you will first of all notice that you by yourself cannot 
fight this invisible and most powerful foe. But then if you count the cost of who is with you, you see Jesus with you and the invisible hosts of his armies, the angels. It says here, one shall chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight. So that means you can use your ten thousand to fight twenty thousand. Not through their own strength, but through the power of omnipotence. The captain of the Lord's host is with them, taking the command of the armies and leading them on to victory. Amen. This is a wonderful promise to me personally because I am encouraged with this. Because when you understand, if you are counting the cost and you understand the power of your foe, which is the devil, you would fear indeed. You will indeed feel like it says here, because of their frailty, because of their sinfulness, we may fear and tremble. And if you are not fearing and trembling, it's because, trembling is because you have not seen who is coming against you. But if you understand who is coming against you, and as you view the hosts, the vast hosts of the powers of darkness, when you view it, you, will, you are supposed to fear and tremble. But then you can rejoice as you look at your own army, which is the angels of God, ready to minister to those who shall be heirs of salvation. We may rejoice as we realize the captain of the Lord's host will lead us from victory to victory, forward in every conflict against natural and supernatural foes. Our leader is a conqueror and then we can advance to victory. You need to know who is with you. Understand your weakness. Tremble. If you do not tremble and understand your weakness, you will not seek for that strength that comes from the captain of the Lord's host. You will fight by yourself. He will not control you because if he is the captain, you are just one of the armies. You are not the leader. But when you go as the leader of the army, certainly you have just made Satan to lick his lips in anticipation and happiness of how much how much victory he's going to get. He's going to be rubbing his palms together and licking his lips and saying, oh, this one is mine because you are going as a leader. But if you stay and allow God to lead and be the captain and then his angels being com uh, commanded by him and even yourself being commanded by him, you can be assured that these promises will be fulfilled. Hebrews 13.5 I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I mean, who are we fighting against? The world. We are told to overcome the world. That's what we are supposed to do. John chapter 1 John 5 verse 4 says, uh, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. That is what we are told to overcome the world. The world includes all the hosts because when you talk about satan's uh, host of the powers of darkness it's not just his angels because we are not fighting against them directly we are fighting a battle of intelligence he has allurements that appeals to the flesh those are his hosts a lot of them all over from your phone to your laptop to your friends your your, your environment his allurements are everywhere the fighting the devil it's like just being brought into the midst of a war. You are just dropped suddenly into the midst of a war. Somebody is warning you. I, I, I usually imagine the devil that way. He's just warning you and saying, don't worry, I'm going to get you. And the next thing, he disappears. You look left, look right, front, back, up, down. You don't see him anywhere. And you are wondering, where is he going to attack from? 
Naturally, you'll be expecting physical attacks, but no. The next thing you just see a small child run to meet you and everything looks very nice all around you. But you don't know that all around you, all those things that are coming, are the person who just threatened you. That is what he's going to use to get you. And you are walking along, you're expecting war, but you're just seeing things moving around and all that. But you don't know that all those things that you are seeing around you is the war that he's waging. The war that he's waging against you. What are the things you see? Things that allure your flesh. That is the war he's making against you. You see food here. Somebody's telling you, come and buy. You see a book there. Somebody's telling you, come and read. And all these things are things that have been inspired by him. You see alcohol on another side. And then you see weed on another side, marijuana. And then you see another young lady who is coming to meet you. Or a young man who is inviting you to something sinful. That is the host of darkness we are talking about. And that is the war he's waging against you. And all these things are appealing to your flesh. But we are told to be of good cheer. And one wonderful promise here is that one in Luke 22 verse 31 where Jesus informs us that Satan has desired to have every one of us that he may sift us as wheat. And he usually is giving this statement to this one who is self-confident like Peter. Some people might say to themselves, Oh, I am strong. That was what Peter told Jesus. Though all men forsake you, I will never forsake you. And Jesus told him, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. In other words, he's, he, he's specifically targeting you. But he does that to every Christian, of course, specifically targeting them so that he can, of course, bring them down. But then the weaker you are, the more he comes against you because he knows his victory is almost sure. When he sees you self-confident, he knows, oh yes, this, this one is mine. That was what Peter was doing. He was self-confident. He was saying to himself, I am strong. These things cannot get me. That was what Peter was telling Jesus. But Jesus told him, Satan has desired. You are the one he's targeting now because of this, your self-confidence. But Jesus then told him something. Even if you are self-confident, I can see you are going to fall. And he said, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And in verse 32, he said to Peter, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Wonderful. Jesus knew Peter was going to fall into Satan's trap. But he had already prayed for him beforehand. Thank God we are not left alone. This is our safety. Satan can never touch with eternal disaster. He can touch you with temporary disaster, which was what he did to Peter. He did bring Peter down, but it was not eternal. And that's why we say praise God that this is our safety. Satan can never touch with eternal disaster one whom Christ has prepared for temptation by his previous intercession. For grace is provided in Christ for every soul and a way of escape has been made so that no one need fall under the power of the enemy. Satan, um, Jesus, Peter fell under the power of the enemy but for a while. It was not eternal. Because of Jesus' prayer for him and because of Jesus' prayer for you and me, we can also rise up whenever we fall like Peter did and get strength and not only strength for ourselves but also through that experience through that defeat we can turn it to a greater victory because be because of that fall we now have greater strength when we rise up to help another person who may also fall into the same sin and that is why peter was told when you are converted strengthen thy brethren not the brethren strengthening him now because he had gotten an experience that other people did not have he has lost his self-confidence now. He has some humility. He can now be a help 
to those who also fall. And that was why Paul, speaking about his own problems, his own sorrows, he said, I think in the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians or so, that blessed be God who comforted us from our sorrows and also gives us grace to comfort those who are also in uh, sorrow. In the book of Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 4, where he says, okay, starting from verse 3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So you can turn your defeat to victory. Whenever you pass through a situation, a temptation of fall into sin, and you recover yourself, God is comforting you. And through that comfort, you can use it to comfort others who may also fall. I really thank God for the provisions that he has made for us to meet our battles and overcome the world, all the unseen intelligences of evil that come against us, God has provided enough help for every emergency and we are to take advantage of it. May God give us the grace to really take hold of this power and strength that he has made available for us. Be of good cheer, he says. He has overcome the world and we also can overcome the world. Amen. In the same verse where my brother read Second Corinthians 1, verse 9, it says, But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raised the dead, who had delivered us from so great a death. The phrase there is that, that we should not trust in ourselves. The security for our battle is that we should lose confidence in ourselves and look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The temptations, the challenges we face are there or permitted by God sometimes to help us lose self-confidence. For if we go in our own confidence, as it has been said before, we will lose the battle. So do you feel weak? Do you feel troubled do you feel anxious do you feel like you're going to be lose this battle that's the ticket so that we may depend on god and it is possible too that we do not feel or even know our weaknesses or even know that we have sinned against god in one way or the other but then i present to you christ that we spend some more quality time looking at the cross and comparing the character of Christ with our own character, then our own wickedness, our own weakness will be made more manifest. Our need of Christ will be made manifest. You know, when you're comparing yourself with your own self, you may not see anything short. For instance, the reason why we have envy is when we compare ourselves with others. Why we have hatred is when we compare ourselves with what other people have done for us or jealousy. When we see other people, we compare what they are doing with ourselves. That's why we have all these negative threats. And that's how Satan tempts us too. He uses this 
our, our comparison because the bible says that those who compare themselves among themselves are not wise when we compare ourselves among ourselves or look at the faults of others we tend to have jealousy envy and hatred and all these negative thoughts which defile us so which is satan still attacking us but when we look to jesus which is what we should we ought to do as christians those who are following christ when we look to him we have a loss of these traits we see ourselves not meeting up we are rather humble we feel our weakness we feel our, our in, inabilities looking to jesus when you study the bible when we pray and meditate on the precepts of christ we see our weaknesses and then that helps us to pray and to depend on him so that we can win this battle and ask for help whereas before we would not even ask for it like this instance he gave about peter if, if Peter had not passed through that experience, he would never believe that he was a proud man. He would never believe that he was a weak man. So God permitted him to go through it. My point again is some difficulties we go through is to prove to us that we are not really strong. And so we should not despair. And secondly, some people will need this experience. So we should overcome it. You know, sometimes when you fall, you want to... A brood over, over the failure and spend time there and be sad and turn your mind around it and, and build imagine it in its scale but do not stay down rise up the bible said that the righteous falls seven times and rises the eighth so whatever may be the failures of your past life the failures or the discouragements you have had in following christ don't stay down rise up and ask God for forgiveness and move forward. Learn the lesson and even help others who may be passing through this difficulty and teach them the lessons that God has, has taught you through those experiences. I pray as we do these things, marching forward, taking hold of God's strength and praying our way through. Lord will assist us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have you counted the cost? Was a question from the great Redeemer. See, sometimes like Peter, we think we have what it takes. But when weighed in the balance, we see that our estimations were wrong. You see, we love to gamble. As I see these habits going on, increasing in strength, it is pervading all our lives so we gamble with relationships we gamble with work career and so when it comes to jesus we want to try gambling with him whom alone is our surety you know as i hear stories of people who drop out of one thing or the other because of economic reasons or another reasons i pause to wonder what might have been if i had a prophetic eye to see that the journey I am about to take, the business I am about to start, will turn this way or that way. So it will help me. It will help me save a lot of time. It will help me save a lot of resources. And so it is with us. When we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior, and when you decided to walk with Him, you did not know, or better still, did you not realize that you've entered one of the greatest conflicts between good and evil? 
of conflict amongst the greatest powers that be. We have entered our names in the list of Satan. I read now from Great Controversy 610. It says, Persecution in its varied forms is the development of a principle which will exist as long as Satan exists and Christianity has vital power. No man can serve God without enlisting himself against the opposition of the host of darkness. Evil angels will assail him, alarmed that his influence is taking the prey from their hands. Evil men, rebuked by his example, will unite with them in seeking to separate him from God by alluring temptations. When these do not succeed, then a compelling power is employed to force the conscience. So we see, beloved, that this is part of the battle. As soon as you've decided to do right, Satan will stir up positions against you, either in the family and the friends or from the workmate. Or worse still, they might come in the form of a spouse. That's why Jesus always gives us instructions on battle strategies. I continue the reading second paragraph. It says, The world's Redeemer presents to his followers the plan of the battle in which they are called to engage. Note, the plan of the battle in which they are called to engage. So the question is, before you enter into the battle, have you studied the battle plan? Have you counted the cost is what the reading is asking us today. So Jesus, our love commander says, in order to succeed in this warfare, you have to listen to me. As paratroopers, you have to change your diet, change your clothes, stop watching those movies, stop listening to those canal musics. You have to communicate with me using this map often your chart and your compass. You must undergo all this discipline to maintain the relationship with me. But beloved, like the rich young ruler, many think it's too much. It's demanding too much of me. And so they turn away. They begin to murmur and complain. They begin to grumble and drag. They become bitter with all who are deciding daily to continue in the work and reminding other soldiers of their duties then as Satan will love to see it happen they stop following their Lord the road they say it's too narrow I can no longer enjoy the things I want to I am no longer happy as I was I am about to lose my job because of standing for the truth since I decided to walk with the Lord, things have gotten worse. I have no peace with my spouse. And so Jesus becomes the one who interrupts our dreams. He disturbs our peace. That was the statement the Pharisees gave in John chapter 11 verse 48. If we let him alone, said the Jewish leaders, all men will believe on him and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation to maintain the status quo to maintain their job 
to maintain the illicit relationships, to cover the hole in the office, to continue in fraud. Many will sacrifice the Son of God to keep their place and their nation. For our peace, we have given up the Prince of Peace. Some people don't even want you to preach to them about Jesus because they say it disturbs their conscience. Tell us smooth things. I read again. It says, Those who are unwilling to accept the plain, cutting truths of the Bible are continually seeking for pleasing fables that will quiet the conscience. The less spiritual, self denying, and humiliating the doctrines presented, the greater the favor with which they are received. These persons regard the intellectual powers to serve their carnal desires. Too wise in their own conceit to search the scriptures with constriction of soul and earnest prayer for divine guidance. They have no shield from delusion. Satan is ready to supply the heart's desire and he plans and palms off his deceptions in the place of truth. It was thirst that the papacy gained the power over the minds of men and by rejection of the truth because it involves a cross. Protestants are following the same path. All who neglect the word of God to study convenience and policy that they may not be at variance with the world will be left to receive damnable heresy for religious truth. Paul went on to say that the class who received not the love of truth that they might be saved for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness so beloved we see that we are not wise enough to enter this contest we must receive the prunings of the Lord. When he says, give up this, we must give it up immediately. When he says, take up this, we are to take it. That's following command, following orders. If we begin to debate with the commander, sooner or later we will find ourselves walking alone in the road, entering a battle without our commander. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 23, Jesus in his parable made a very striking statement he says therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants in other words the king is now taking account of his servants the king now has ordered books to be brought so that he would check what is going on in the lives of the servants and the, the relationships, the money he's been giving them, what is all the servants that he that owes him. Verse 24 says, And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Now the interesting thing is, the experts of the law, they had computed what the wage of a servant was in the days when Jesus gave this parable. And they have calculated that it will take this servant 1,400 years to be able to work and receive salary every day to pay 
this debt. But now we hear in verse 25, say, but, as, but for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And so because the master knew that he cannot pay the money because both of them are not going to stay around say 1,400 years, the master just decided to waive it. He said the man was not properly estimating the debt he owed. And so, but the master understands that this one cannot pay. Let me just forget about it. And the master waved, waved the debt. What a great relief it was. And for us today, the reading is saying, How precious are these assurance that we shall never be left to take one step in our own finite strength. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Hebrews 13 verse 5. We are fighting in the presence of an invincible host. Unseen intelligences survey the whole array of evil and help us and help is at hand. We shall not only be provided with that which is necessary, but shall be placed upon vantage ground. Hallelujah. So we see that God has decided to place us in a place of opportunity, in a place of surety. But it will cost us something to get there. Whatever it will take to be in line, to bring ourselves under alignment with our commander, let us do it. If Christ is our commander, then let us listen to him and take the battle strategies from him and give up the things that we need to give up and take on the things that we need to take on. If it will cost us the peace of the world to gain the peace of Christ, let us give up this peace, the world. In this war, we are going to have tribulations, he says. There is no peace no lasting peace in this world so let us prize the eternal the kingdom of god jesus says is liking unto a man who haven't found treasure in a field he dug and hid it and went and sold all that he had to buy that field so if we understand what it will cost to get to the place then we understand that it will cost us all that we have in this world to receive, to enter into the kingdom. So may we not be in the place where we want to hold on to things that this world proffers. We are ready to give it up for the kingdom of God's sake. And at the end, in the final analysis, when all is said and done, we will be able to say hallelujah. Heaven is cheap enough. And turn around and say to the things we gave up, like the wise man, it is vanity upon vanity. Beloved, this is the great exchange that Jesus came to give. He's given us things that will not perish, collecting the perishables. For some of us, it will cost us the comfort of our homes. Some of us, it will cost us the comfort of our jobs. The command from the Lord would disturb our peace but that's only because it is worldly peace let us receive the peace that does not end 
the one that Christ is offering, be the prize what it may at any price, heaven is cheap enough. It is our experience as we prize the eternal above the temporal. May we not be like Esau and leave us with the last text. It says, because of his indifference to the divine blessings and requirements, Esau is called in scriptures a profane person. He represents those who lightly value the redemption purchased for them by Christ and are ready to sacrifice their hairship to heaven for the perishable things of earth. Multitudes live for the present with no thought or care for the future. Like Esau, they cry, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 32 For they are controlled by inclination and rather than practice self-denial, they will forgo the most valuable considerations if one must be relinquished the gratification of a depraved appetite or the heavenly blessings promised only to the self-denying and God-fearing. The claims of appetite prevail and God and heaven are visually despised. Many, oh how many, even of professed Christians cling to indulgences that are injurious to health and that benumb the sensibilities of the soul. When the duty is presented of cleansing themselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, they are offended. They see that they cannot retain these hurtful gratifications and yet secure heaven. And they conclude that since the way of it to eternal life is so strict, they will no longer walk therein. Multitudes are selling their birthright for sensual indulgence. Health is sacrificed. The mental faculties are enfeebled. And heaven is forfeited. And all for a mere temporary pleasure. An indulgence at once but weakening and debasing in its character. As Esau awoke to see the folly of his rash exchange when it was too late to recover his loss so it will be in the day of god with those who have battered their hardship to heaven for selfish gratifications patriarchs and prophet 181 esau thought that the cost was too much he didn't want the responsibility to be the priest of the home to, call, to be calling for devotions morning and evening and offering the sacrifice that prefigured the coming of the Messiah. And so he gave it up for a mere muscle of pottage. So beloved, we see that it is sweet only if we trust in Jesus. Let us take him at his word. Let us do what he says we should do. At the end, we will rejoice together with him. It is we experience in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for this morning once more. Thank you for speaking to us. Father, I want to acknowledge the fact that Satan really comes to us in silent ways. 
in ways which we are not conscious of. There is no violence, but with sins of the flesh, temptations of sins of the spirit, with envy, anger, pride, hatred, with appetite, with things that seem innocent, with greed, and all the carnal desires of the flesh from within and without, Lord, these temptations seem too far from, from our understanding. But Lord, we pray the same prayer you have you made for Peter, that you please strengthen us, Lord, for these battles. Help us not to own Satan's attributes. Help us to reject them and resist them in every form and in whatever nature he wants to present them to us. Wherever incentive he wants to attach to these sins, whether for he presents them as things that will benefit us, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will raise a standard in our minds that we may reject these things, Lord, and walk in your own attributes. Father, whenever we fall, I pray we should, you give us the grace not to stay down, but to rise up and walk, Lord, and help others too who may be in similar situations. Father, the day is well stretched ahead of us. There's a lot to be done. I pray that you please inspire us with such wisdom from your word and keep us humble too, we pray. With thanksgiving for hearing our prayers and for encouraging us in Jesus' name. Amen. <music>